Startup Business Q&A episode 239. Awesome to be here. And this is week four, part four of the AMA month. So all of February, every single Monday, uh, I'm doing this show specifically ask me anything. So it sounds like a weird thing to say, but ask me anything, meaning you can ask any questions. Each week, typically it's on a particular topic, but this uh, this month, as I say, is, is literally any questions you have. So uh, thank you those of you who submitted some questions already. Uh, amazing to be here as always and uh, we had fun last week with uh, Wi-Fi. I've moved from uh, through this month from trying a new uh, piece of equipment that didn't work at all to trying a piece of equipment that worked but looked like it was 10 years ago uh, the resolution to last week everything was fine but the equipment decided to not work with Facebook um, Restream was fine for the record and now finally I have uh, it, it decided to actually work fine this week. So awesome to be here. And thank you so much, everyone who is always chipping in with some great ideas, great comments, things like that, uh, and wonderful questions too. Um, and this week, like I say, ask me anything. So this is the final week of February already. I can't believe we've gone through so quickly, um, but I'm really enjoying uh, this. And you asking some kind of cool questions as well. Uh, really really good fun so just done all the basics there good so uh we're live on instagram today also facebook and linkedin so hello all of you watching right there and um i have uh quite a few watching on instagram so uh safer uh k is watching at safer.0220 i have v3054444 it sounds like a fun name uh abraham hayabor uh, motivated and mobilized Christian Barnes as well loads of you jumping in on Instagram if you're watching right now put in the comments where you're watching from let me know what city or town you're watching from and add hashtag team replay or hashtag team live uh, depending on if you're watching live now or watching uh, replay later on so where you're watching from and hashtag team replay or hashtag team live safer care who won uh, was it last week uh, or the week before the invent and wonder uh, book from Jeff Bezos says Jeff Bezos book just arrived five minutes ago. Marvelous. There you go. It arrived via Jeff Bezos's own Amazon itself. Uh, enjoy that. Congrats on your book. And uh, those of you who are wondering what on earth I'm speaking about, uh, we have lots of giveaways and um, money courses, books, things like that uh, in the Facebook group called Entrepreneur Business Groups. If you want to join at any time, you can hop on over to Facebook, you can do that after the stream, for instance, go to facebook.com slash groups slash entrepreneur business group, entrepreneur business group, or one word, or just search for it in the search bar and you'll see us there. Honestly, you lot are joining thick and fast at the moment, so thank you so much. Uh, some really good fun things in there. There'll probably be another giveaway later this week, I believe it is as well. Uh, motivated, motivated and mobilized on on Instagram has said uh, Hamilton, Ontario. Good to see you watching from here. Uh, the man Nicholas Grouchon is watching as well. Ventures, Cap Ventures Capital Corporate is watching too. If you're watching, if you're joining right now, pop in the comments where you're watching from. And if you're part of hashtag team live or hashtag team replay, it's part four of this month's 
AMA month. So every single week for over four and a half years now, we've had this show on a Monday, Startup Business Q&A. But this week is the last of four sessions in a row where we're doing Ask Me Anything rather than a particular topic. So any question you have, you can certainly ask that. Let's see who's watching on uh, LinkedIn. We have um, Mac Block Explanation. Okay. Uh, uh, I don't know what you mean by that, but good for you, uh, Pobolas uh, Brelius. Uh, we have also Patricia Freudenberg watching as usual from New York. Nice to have you here. Thank you very much for tuning in. And um, let's get into some questions, actually. Like I say, if you're watching right now, let us know where you're watching from. And if you have a question you want to ask, then fire away. Um, we have uh, um, Scott Adam Lancaster, who's asked uh, through Facebook, what is the biggest lesson you learned from 2020 that's business related? And I thought about this a bit earlier. Like there's there's a lot of lessons, I think. But I think what I really like was that one thing in particular was was less a lesson, but really reinforced, Scott. Uh, and that's it, what was really reinforced last year was that the Pareto principle really does matter. The Pareto principle being that typically you get 80% of your results from 20% of your actions and 20% of your of your results come from about 80% of your actions. And it really reinforced last year that that's the case because I made a point, uh, I, I hired two coaches actually for different things. I made a point of specifically removing a lot of the things I was doing, just really stripping back and doing only the most impactful tasks. So I, I realigned a, a bit of my offering and structured some things differently with my team, uh, but I also looked specifically at daily tasks and what's, what came out of it was really being impactful and intentional about things like posting in content means that I didn't need to post something every single day. It just meant I had to be good with what I was posting. And that, that, that really helped a lot. Um, I also found that there's a lot of bitty tasks throughout the day that I could get rid of altogether, not just necessarily outsource. And that has really made a big difference too. So I really... I really found that last year was like every year is like this because it's every single year I seem to evolve. But last year in particular was a huge amount of evolution in this real streamlining of what I, I was doing. I really got rid of a lot of a lot of stuff, some clients, in fact, but also uh, specifically a lot of tasks and jobs and, and um, things that I did each day that actually were kind of superfluous to results. And that's allowed me to do fewer yet more impactful tasks each day. And as a result, like, you know, turnover, like doubled, pretty much just under doubled last year as a result. And like 2019 was punchy. So I was very impressed with that. But it meant that I was doing technically less stuff. And I had, you know, I had things like homeschooling to deal with. I had two children, uh, two children here who needed schooling a couple of days a week I was doing and my wife was doing the rest. So it really is important to think about that. You know, it really makes a difference when you've got um, flexibility on your side. I uh, just want to shout out all these people jumping in on Instagram. So Spanish come easy. Good to see you here. Rahul, cool for you. Nice to have you as well. Sasha, fit counselor. Awesome to be uh, connected. Uh, Queen of Africa. Nice to see you here. And thank you for the, for the shout out. Selena C. Davis too. Kevin Mockler, 500. Uh, amazing to have you here. Euro zero two. Sorry, my man, we're not going to be doing uh, uh, requests uh, and joining videos on this one. These, these streams are all me, I'm afraid. Uh, so if you're watching for the first time, this is Startup Business Q&A 
episode 239. So this is the 239th consecutive week of this show. For the last three weeks, though, so all of February, we're doing specifically an AMA. So you can ask any question you like. If you're tuning in right now, put where you're watching from. I'd love to know. Uh, and also add in if you're part of hashtag team live or hashtag team re replay watching a bit later and shout out to those of you doing so on either Instagram or listening, of course, on the podcast as well on iTunes or Spotify, or whatever you use. So great question, uh, Adam. That's that's what it is for me. Things like tasks and posting made a big difference. Uh, over on Instagram, we have Dilip Chijara said hi. Also, Reggie Waterman, my man. Nice to see you uh, here. Thanks for uh, uh, tuning in saying, hey, Richard, uh, we've got a question from uh, Patricia as well. Uh, I have a question about flexibility. Just joined a new platform uh, to your usual routine, which is Clubhouse. <laughs> Hands up if you're on Clubhouse. In fact, if you want, put your like your username in the comments and we can all connect with each other. That'd be cool if, if obviously we're relevant. I seriously love the value it serves, uh, says Patricia, but it helped certainly disrupted my schedule. So I suppose what you're asking about is how, how you're using it. Having flexibility means that you can experiment with things like Clubhouse. Um, I saw this morning, one of my friends, Lauren, is the 121st most followed person on Clubhouse. She has over 90,000 followers. And there's an example of someone who is I know it's her and her team probably, but it's still going hard to really make sure she's getting the most out of, of, of the platform. But you need the, you know, like she's doing it with the team, in, in, to be honest, but I'm being very careful and I, I have nothing like that kind of following, of course. I have a tiny one. I've, I've not hit a thousand yet. Um, but the point is that with, with Clubhouse, I'm showing up, but very intentionally. So I'm doing, Patricia, I'm doing two days or sorry two hours a week usually i'm assigning myself here's the time for clubhouse i'm obviously picking that time based on when there are other things going on so i'm showing up for people's groups i'm very um you know really really fortunate that people actually show up uh and, and invite me into their talks uh, uh to go up on stage or moderate that's really kind of them uh so it's really nice to be able to hop in there and and get get my two, get two cents across but uh, it's tempting to go into this black hole of just like spending time there. So I'm being really careful with it. Um, uh, it has, it can disrupt the schedule if you let it. You're the boss, not Clubhouse. It's just about discipline. And the thing to remember, I was telling someone this the other day, actually. It's, it's actually the case that it reminded me a lot of when I was at university. And I remember learning very early on, and there's a direct parallel with, with Clubhouse here. I remember learning early on at university actually almost any time of day yes including the mornings there's always someone who wants to go for a beer almost always there'll be some if it's four in the morning someone's up and they're down having a beer is great like it is 24 7 and i remember realizing like you can't say yes to it all because that's not healthy but also more importantly like you don't get anything else done and it's the same in clubhouse you could go on at any time and there'll be there'll be very interactive live streaming chats going on. It's not like you're scrolling through posts. It's much more interactive. And um, and so you've got to decide to miss out and then tune in and 
you're fine if you if you miss out you know as long as you get everything done but it might be your strategies to go hard on, on the clubhouse and my goodness for leads it's fantastic so selena davis on instagram is added um selena De is selena c davis on clubhouse however uh discipline is needed for sure absolutely agree if anyone wants to connect with me i'm on there uh, under at richard moore uh, i've also added here uh, sasha fit counselor has asked uh, or written i'm in from oklahoma city i'm a therapist and fitness coach and completely transitioned 100 remote how do you use linkedin to grow business in this realm well linkedin is my flavor and has been for uh, a few years now it was march so it'll be next month three years ago back in 2018 when i started going hard with content and for starters uh, sasha the um, algorithm is exceptionally generous compared with elsewhere it's very easy to really get things moving fast building following and things like that is straightforward as well i directly coach people who work with fitness um fitness and and, and in fact therapists as well so a number of people working from anxiety through to massage for instance and it's interesting that they can all win there because a lot of people think that the context is business on linkedin and, and therefore only business should be happening but actually they're human beings before they are their job title and as you all know sasha plenty of people well basically all human beings need some form of um fitness or, or an, an awareness about what kind of therapy they should have to especially in time like this make sure they're in good nick and um and so those the same people who are an accountant a partner a lawyer whatever it is they also need need your kind of service and you'll find that they really dig it on LinkedIn. You you work it like a social platform. It's even got LinkedIn stories now. And, you know, it's astonishing what's possible there. Um, and my business has absolutely been propelled as a result. I was doing fine, I'd say fine and okay with LinkedIn, sorry, with Instagram and, and with Facebook. But now with LinkedIn added on, it really has made a strong difference just simply because people are, you know, that they're there for networking and relationships. And often there is a bit more context of business, which means people are keen to learn a bit more about, you know, what each other does and things like that. Uh, uh, Fashion69 um, has said your LinkedIn tips are awesome, Richard. Thanks so much, my man. If you want to join me there, it's Richard James Moore. You, you can just search linkedin.com slash in slash Richard James Moore. Let's go on to the next question. Daniel Nunes has asked, what is the difference between an affiliate and an influencer? Which do you see as having more impact? Well, classically, an affiliate is something who has like who is someone who has a link to something. So I am an affiliate as of this week, in fact, with um, Shield app. So if you want like to get Shield app, which is LinkedIn analytics with 10 percent off, then you can use my link or I work with Restream, shout out to them, I will mention them in a sec again, uh, but Restream who helped me host um, the live stream every single week through Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, they are, you know, I have an affiliate link. So if you go to restream.io slash join, where is the link, I might as well throw it out, uh, slash join slash Richard Moore, you actually get access to Restream for free anyway. You can get a free account, but you also get $10 credit on me. They're affiliate links, and the point is that you know, the idea of an affiliate is to, you know, they maybe get some commission as a result of getting every sale on. But you tend to find that it doesn't make much difference. Like you, you don't become a millionaire by being an affiliate unless you have an outrageous following because you tend to get like these pithy amounts of money. It's just not really a big deal. Um, I'm, I don't seek out affiliate links uh, or, or, or deals 
they tend to come as part of something else. So um, with Restring, the affiliate link is just like, I have that too, but we have more of a, a, a kind of robust agreement, let's say that that includes other things. But an affiliate link is just, you know, in my opinion, unless you can drive huge relevant traffic, an affiliate is uh, uh, trying to become an affiliate can be effective. I'm sure plenty of people might try and prove me wrong, but unless you can get great following and traffic, if you've got a crappy little following, it's just not worth it because you're not going to convert enough ne necessarily. And I'm of the opinion that I want to work on my product. Like I want to sell my thing, you know. So, so you know, if I can help people with a product or service that is is um, complementary to me, then fine. Like I work with subtitles. So if you use my affiliate code, you get what was it like fifty percent off the first month with subtitle, which does captioning and video editing. Um, and you know that's great. It's not a service I do, but it's there if people want it. But I do feel that you know. It, you should you should you should recognize that affiliates tend to you do really well with being an affiliate if you have a monstrous following uh, in my opinion uh, or, or able to drive good traffic the alternative um is or the alternative in this question from daniel is an influencer an influencer by definition is someone who has some sway or influence over an audience and therefore you may technically be an influencer if you can influence one person and i'm sure all of us have that effect those seen more as influencers are the ones who have a larger following and um you know, we can all be influencers if we're desperate to, but you do get some people who are kind of professional influencers and the name of their game is getting as big a following as possible and getting as engaged a following as possible because a size of audience is useful, but the level of engagement you have is your leverage. And so um, I have, I'm doing some influencer marketing at the moment with Restream as a partner with them. Uh, but I also work, I've worked with some other brand, brands in the past to do the same. And which has most impact? Well, the, I, I would say it depends on what you're looking at. If you're looking at like getting money through the door each month, Daniel, if I, if I'm trying to, if I typically what you get is if you're an influencer, if, if you want to be, the, be an affiliate, then fine. You get a link and you get a paid a commission each time you close a sale. But actually, if you're an influencer, what you tend to get, sure, you have an affiliate link, but you tend to get um, sponsored. You tend to get money. Uh, so I'm you know, paid money each month as an influencer for Restream. And that money is, you know, helps me run the show and things like that and pay for the team and so on. But the if I was just an affiliate only, I'd be just making money off, off commission. If you were to choose every single time, you'd want money up front for like, as in like sponsorship money, essentially, which is kind of what influencers may get. Affiliate related money from links where you get like, you know, 10% of every sale made is like rubbish unless you have a mad following who listens to everything you ever say. You know, when, if you listen to the, um, the Sarah Blakely story about Spanx. Um, I say listen because I had it on Audible recently. And you look at what happened with Oprah Winfrey in 2000, in the year 2000, in fact, so 21 years ago. Um, Oprah has like had this thing on her show, like the things you like or the things she likes. There's an example of an influencer. Like they sold like hundreds of thousands of units, I believe, of, of, of Spanx uh, because Oprah is like, I wear this product I love this. And that, there's an example of an influencer really working. But, you know, unless you've got that kind of clout, 
what are you doing scratching around for one or two sales each month the affiliate thing isn't really a big deal so i suppose what i'm doing is trying to suggest to those of you interested in that be careful and i'm being i'm purely talking on my experiences be careful if if there's a brand that wants to try and use you um or your audience that you've worked hard to build and only do it uh through giving you affiliate payments because you know what they want you to do is constantly i know i know someone on instagram who does this constantly talk to their audience about affiliates uh, sorry about the product uh, to close affiliate uh, sales and it's like you don't have enough people following you to make this worthwhile so you're selling out your audience and you're getting this tiny little return so if you're interested in this kind of thing do your best to always get lump sums of money up front instead of affiliates so i, I did one in the past it's like i don't want any commission at all for any sales i want money up front instead because that way that way they can say fine you pay you don't get more if we do really well but at least you get a lump sum and i prefer that because then i know it's cash in the bank so bird in the hand uh, kind of thing really makes sense to me that's that's what matters uh, in my opinion is is money in the bank um i, I think also the, the the thing about being an having affiliate links all over the place is that it starts looking like you're being a bit too salesy and and you know the name of the game here with your audience is being you know really really audience first as opposed to your bank account first and if you're spamming them, I, again this person i'm thinking of on instagram spams her account all day long with these affiliate links and it's like no one's showing up here man what you're ending up with is people not really not really seeing you as being have, thinking of them you know having them their best interest in mind okay so um yeah good question i, I kind of wove my way around there eventually and um, thank you everyone jumping in today a couple more questions to go we've got um uh this is the fourth part now the fourth week in a row of the month of amas for february and uh it's been really good doing all your different questions so thank you very much for showing up and asking them uh hello euro zero two again uh on instagram uh dick dick um, i apologize i can't say dick Ran, good to see you here patrick randran as well love peace and education mirab levine good to see you on here fabio palvelli as well ilan eliana sanchez uh and so on plenty of you on instagram watching let's see what other questions you've got over on um on uh, linkedin or facebook so katarina hunter good to see you watching hello from Cheltenham. if i may my question is a large number of people that are on linkedin don't actively engage with content they're too busy they keep it private etc like my target audience what would you advise the best way of getting have you written more <laughs> uh presumably you're asking what's the best way of getting their attention i'm guessing um yeah look look this is what happens okay lurkers the lurkers are the ones you want to be targeting what you tend to find is that the the buyers don't necessarily they're not forth with forthcoming all the time these people aren't going to be sitting there writing comments on all of your on all of your posts that's what the marketers and the influencers do that's what they like to do so you need to think to yourself what what's the artistry here what do i need to do to get this person to step forward and look, it's been shown that something like only half of all the accounts, which is like north of 700 million now on LinkedIn, only half of those accounts actually show up once a month, at least. So half of the accounts on LinkedIn are so dormant as to ignore them. Does that mean none of my people are online? No, <laughs> they're there. There's millions. You've got enough to get through. But how do you get them to step forward? In my experience, and if I take my most recent products, so the LinkedIn client accelerator last week, thanks to Sabrina on Friday, 
um, Sabrina Gurlich over in uh, Stuttgart. She became our 50th member. So we've done 50 new members in about six months. Uh, 50 wonderful deals, bringing wonderful people in. And invariably, not invariably, that's not fair. I think probably 80% of the people who joined, uh, so like 40 of those 50, are people I didn't really know at all. They're not friends or close people who I had seen all the time commenting on my posts. These are people who came out of thin air. Those people represent what I'm talking about. And like buyers tend to just be watching. So to get them to step forward, you need to think about what kind of a call to action you could use on your post to get them to step forward. That's not too much of a step up from from uh, just chilling out and watching your content. So I'm gonna give you a clue because part of what we do in, in my accelerators explaining all of this, but basically the idea of the, uh, uh, the, the reason why people fail a lot is that they do a post that takes someone, think about this, they're reasonably cold audience member, passively just consuming your content. There's no interaction at all other than them reading your stuff. To get them to jump to uh, a phone call with you. So that's like, it's just ins insane. It's a huge amount of emotional leap for them. Uh, that's kind of the short version. So to say, if you want more information, uh, let's hop on a call. No one's going to just hop on a call. It doesn't work like that. So you need something kind of as a stepping stone in between. And that's why if you research lead magnets in your calls to action, that's a really strong game to get into. And probably 80% of the people in turn who bought my course, my, my accelerator course, tend to buy because of a lead magnet-based call to action and post. So I'm making sales every single week from LinkedIn because of the way I write the post. And it doesn't scare people off. And it's surprising what does scare someone off. If you're trying to be all happy-go-lucky and sing-song and all nice and friendly with, let's jump on a call. If you want to learn more, ask me some questions or send me a DM. doesn't work doesn't work because it's too scary for someone who's sitting right down at zero at just reading your content. You're asking them to do too much. You have to be subtle and uh, take a little step up. Hope that helps a bit, uh, Katrina. A really good, uh, really good question. Um, Patricia Freudenberg has added, that's right, Richard Moore, leads are people too. Quite right, they are. And uh, Swastik Pada Selkar has said, does charisma dominate intellect when we need to influence some? I think I know what you're saying here. The thing to think about is like, what 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 gate what gives someone influence? It's a combination of things. Firstly, they have to have a reason for someone to want to spend time looking at them or paying attention to them, and that often <laughs> it, it often is that that person has a strong amount of charisma, but also it might be stimulating informational kind of content might be in there, or or it's kind of like you know, they're stimulating on kind of an intellectual level, or they might be emotionally stimulating. So it might be humorous, for instance. Whatever it is, you have to create some kind of a reason for that audience to want to stick around. And so so that that's a start point. But there needs to be persuadability as well. And I think if you have enough charisma and energy, for those for whom that is interesting, well, then you're winning. For those for whom they don't really dig it, then you're not necessarily winning. So the thing to always remember about influence um, uh, in that question, Swastik, is that is that yes, charisma works, but your own brand of it will work with some people and it won't work with others. So that's really crucial. What I mean by that is, that firstly, to get over it, 
because there's enough people out there you can be you and enough people will like you and enough people won't. Some people really seem to think that my content's solid. There's a reason why I've done 239 of these live shows now. That's a lot uh, every single week for four and a half years. It's because for some people, they find this really interesting. For probably a lot of people, they don't find this stimulating at all. I sat in this chair every week pretty much, but other than a few when I'm on holiday, um, every single week for four and a half years doing this. Like, it's not about the backdrop then, is it? It's, it's about the fact that this, for some, is stimulating. Um, and just remember, like, you can't be everything to everyone. So the more hyper niche, in my words, you are, the more focused on a certain set of people with a particular thing you are and you stay in lane, the more you'll actually be really stimulating for them. If you add some charisma, well, then good for you. That will make a difference. That will make people feel like, do you know what this person's entertaining enough to, to pay attention to as well? If you feel you're not innately charismatic, no problem, because you'll find that that, that isn't what everyone always wants. Not everyone wants you to be funny. Not everyone cares if you're particularly entertaining. I'm not particularly humorous in the content I produce. I'm also not super deep about personal experiences. I don't share my family, for instance. I don't bring my children onto live streams. For some influencers, they feel that that's, very, that's a deficient way of doing it. It served me absolutely fine because I'm courting an audience of people who want me for a particular thing. If they want comedy-based content, they'll find somewhere else to go. If they want content which is engaging for the sake of it, you know, meme kind of things or like, you know, videos of cats, then they can go to those places where you need to go to those kind of places to get them. But if they want specific tips and, and an awareness on how to, for instance, close clients on LinkedIn, well, then I'm probably a good shout for it because conversion is the focus point. So it's interesting that um, that charisma can play a big uh, part. But I want I'm just kind of giving you the message here. It actually isn't going to kill you to not be charismatic as long as you're consistent. That's the main thing. And um, another question here from William Nichols. How often should I blog? If writing is all you got, then you should blog all the time. Seth Godin famously blogs every single day. Blogs, by the way, don't have to be essays. Seth Godin's pod, uh, blogs, which have been, must be over 20 years that he's been doing it now, like genuinely since forever he's been doing them. Um, to be honest, like sometimes they're two lines and it's amusing or a thought for the day. Something is observed. As he said once, I remember many years ago, he said, I, I get paid to, I notice things for a living. That's what he said. I notice things for a, for a living. And uh, his blog posts are sometimes super short. So you might post very rarely if you are doing loads of other types of content. I write articles, for instance, but quite rarely. So I've written as a contributor for Thrive. Um, uh, Ariana Huffington was very kind to ask me uh, to, to write for it a few years back. So I wrote a few articles there. Um, Influensive with my man Clinton uh, Senkow over in Canada. It was awesome to write for his publication as well. And I've written, you know, LinkedIn Pulse articles too. Do I do them all the time? Not really. But it's just part of the suite of um, mediums I'm using to try lots of different things. So, you know, I'm not always doing live streams. I do one a week. I'm not always on Clubhouse. I'm in once a week, pretty much. Uh, always due to video that I might do several times a week and so on. But that's my approach. If you're a blogger and you can 
you know, and you're great at blogging and you're great at gaining an audience and gaining opens of that message, that email that sends the latest blog post. And then going back to the point earlier from Daniel Nunes, you can leverage that awareness, sure, and attention, more importantly, and engagement uh, to maybe sell, I don't know, if you, it's to sell your product or someone else's, well then blogging regularly might be a good thing. It's more about what your audience is down with, because I know some, I, I mean, most people often will send out like a neat e-newsletter with some kind of a blog post once a week. And that's typically enough for those who are really into it. I think you have to be, you have to be a certain type of stimulating <laughs> to do it every single day. But there'll be always, 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 William, there will be some people who think you're the best thing ever. Honestly, no matter what you do, there'll be some people who are like, you're just, I love your blog. I can't get enough. I have to read them every day. A bit like a YouTube channel. I only watch YouTube very intentionally. I watch like three or four main channels. And like there are, there are some where if they post a video, I'm watching it. That's the end of it. There's no question. If they post every day, that would be the best thing ever uh, because I'm down for it. So it depends. It depends on a lot of variables. If you're good at it, use it. Um, if it's your thing. Uh, if it's not, well, then ask yourself, like, are you getting distribution? Are you doing a blog on a website and that's not getting much distribution? So put it on LinkedIn as well because you get crazy distribution. At the very least, you can drive it through to your website, for instance. That's a very good way of promoting it, in my opinion. Uh, Menace Boys on uh, Instagram says, I'm really enjoying your live video. Thank you so much. You are watching right now episode 239 of Startup Business Q&A. It's the last week of February. And this is the fourth week of February, which is the fourth week of our AMA series, Ask Me Anything. Uh, I want to see uh, the other points on here. William, uh, sorry, um, ask your, answer your question. Steve Wannenhouse, nicely done, greatly appreciated. Richard, thanks so much. Uh, Team Live, afternoon from County Down, says uh, James Perry. If you want to grab $10 for free from me, uh, on me for uh, getting a free account of Restream, then you can do so. If you go there, you, you can use it to record audio. I use it for my podcast. If you want to use it for recording video, you can do that as well. I'll be recording some uh, very soon, uh, more, more of uh, interviews with Restream themselves. If you want to do it to stream live to multiple channels, that's precisely what I'm doing right now through Facebook and LinkedIn. Restream was the original multiple um, um, channel uh, live streaming source. So uh, you, you don't get anyone with more experience than that. So it's very robust. Uh, um, it's crazy, in fact, the amount of different things you could. You could I could be streaming to Twitch. I could stream to up to 10 Facebook accounts. You know, I could be, it's like crazy amount of stuff I could be doing. Um, so I fully endorse it. It's on the screen for the, those of you on uh, Facebook and LinkedIn right now. Or if you're on Instagram and can't see it or the podcast and can't hear it, then go to Restream, R-E-S-T-R-E-A-M dot I-O slash join slash Richard Moore, M-O-O-R-E, and you get $10 credit for free. You don't even need to do a code. It just does it for you automatically. And you will have, um, yeah, you'll have that for life. So even if you're not, this is the crucial part, even if you're not going to do live streaming now, but you think you might in the future, even if you're not set up for your podcast yet, but you might in the future, just grab the free account because then you've got it and it won't expire uh, because I don't know when the offer does expire. So you've got it and then that's done. One last question. Let's finish up from Faran Brown. Hello, Faran. Uh, she says, hi, Richard Moore. I hope you're well. I am. I am well. Thank you. Uh, 
I would love to know when to use InMail on LinkedIn uh, and when to connect with DMs, especially in recruitment as I'm connecting with all using DMs and they're perhaps not going to be the right audience as my niche is not very active on LinkedIn. I know for well, she's working with me on my accelerator. Um, your niche is women in engineering, okay? And you, you work in recruitment in that. Your engineer, so that niche is arguably not very um, active on LinkedIn, but there's enough of them that that doesn't matter. And this is probably the case for almost all of you working with LinkedIn. No matter how light your niche is in using the platform, because we, we know, look, if you're, if you're a recruiter, you're on LinkedIn all the time, sure. If you're recruiting you know, women in engineering, sure, there might not, not be as many of them normally using that platform. Are there enough to feed you? Hell yes. There are millions on that, like hundreds of millions of people, there's enough to feed you. So you should always act as though your niche has enough people in on LinkedIn, because it does. Is it smaller than other niches? Yes, possibly it is, but it doesn't matter because there's more than you will ever turn over. And by the t even if you did get through them all, by the time you got there, there'd be a bunch more that you hadn't started with. So, so don't ever think that, you'll, that your niche is too small because it's probably not, unless it's an absurd niche. Engineering and women is not an absurd niche. So I'm contesting that point for Amit to start with. How to use InMail or when to use InMail, when to use DMs. Just to be clear, InMail, is a special LinkedIn message that essentially is like an internal email. So you have a subject line, you can send it to someone that you aren't connected with, and you can write as much as you like. I believe there may be a limit. It could well be, you know, a couple of thousand characters. A DM message, a connection note. So if I send someone a connection request and send a message is up to 300 characters. So about just a bit more than a tweet, if I remember right. So a tiny amount. There is a psychological reason why, in my opinion, you shouldn't use in-mails. And as an ex-recruiter, 10 years ago, I was in recruitment as a sales director. And 10 years ago, we built a, a number of desks and we built over, a, it was just under a million quid of a million pounds of fees in a year couple of the desks, so mining and um, uh, healthcare were from a standing start. And I was part of the team that sent out messages each day using DMs and not in-mails. And we worked fine with them. I'm going to suggest you don't use in-mails. And the reason why is simple. Look at it like this. When you're watching something on TV and the commercial break comes on, what's your conditioned response to a commercial? Oh, this won't be interesting, grab my phone or go make a coffee, right? When you're online on Facebook, for instance, and you're scrolling through your newsfeed and you see sponsored, what's your conditioned reaction? Oh, sponsored, well, I best look at this then. No, it's don't pay any attention because this is going to try and sell me. It might work, they might be good enough to grab your attention, I concede that. But in the main, ignore. What about on, LinkedIn, when you see a post in the newsfeed as it scrolls past that says promoted, I'm not interested in that. That's an advert. I'm not going to look at sponsored or promoted things in the same way. Now, why is this relevant? Because we're conditioned in a similar way to in-mails. 
I strongly believe this. If you receive something formal from someone in business, the feeling, the conditioned response is this guy wants something or this person wants something. If I send someone an in-mail, their reaction, their conditioned response will be that's formal. They probably want to do business, not interested right now. Okay, unless I manage to absolutely nail the best in-mail. Whereas by comparison, not completely, but by comparison, a DM feels way more informal. Informal feels more authentic and therefore will be treated differently. If it doesn't have promoted or sponsored, or in the case of say, if I'm using in-mails through Sales Navigator, it doesn't say Sales Navigator, which is basically LinkedIn's way of stamping on it, this is a paid email to you and therefore probably salesy. <clears throat> if it doesn't have that stuff, the reaction, the condition response won't be as potentially negative. So that argument suggests that you should lead with DMs. Why else? Here's the other reason. The second reason is simple. The first reason is you should do it purely because of the conditioned response compared with the in-mail. The second reason <clears throat> is the length. When you only write 300 characters, you're concise as hell. You're bang on the money. You don't fluff it. You know, you don't waffle around. I work as a consultant. I do this. I do No one cares. You get to the point. So the 300 characters is brilliant because it keeps it concise as well. And from experience of closing millions of quid of sales over the years, plenty through email and DMs to begin with, it definitely helps to not start with your prospect having a conditioned response that probably this is a sales pitch, right? So it makes much more sense to do something that possibly goes a bit more under the radar. Keep it short, use the DM. When I'm gonna connect with someone on LinkedIn, I would send them a connection note. So click on connect uh, on the website version, not the app. That then will offer me the opportunity to send a note, which is a DM of up to 300 characters. Do it that way, because that way you get to the point. It won't say from sales navigator and feel like you're, you know, uh, and, you know, it's being too salesy. That makes much more sense because I'm working on the behavioral understanding, having empathy for what they are going to be imagining when they see see that message come through. When I see in mail, I think selling me. So have that have that thought process around how you do it. That's my point of view. Um, on it. So yeah, great, great question. Thank you so much for that forum. One more question. Laura Bernhard, did you always exercise? If not, how did you get into it? Uh, yes, I did. Actually, I think if I, I was never really sporty at school. I was talking to my friends about this on, on, um, uh, on Friday night, because uh, my friend's birthday. So we had a zoom call and we were talking about, cause I've known him from school. We we're talking about what we got up to when we were 14 <laughs> and Let's just say it was diverse selection of things. When I was 14, I was programming my first operating system. I wasn't playing football. Uh, that, that gives you a sense of how much of a nerd I was back then. Um, and I was building computers and stuff like that because that, that was what made me happy. And um, But I was into riding my bike. That was about all. But when I went to university, when I was 18, my, um, my friend Adam and I, um, rather than join like any old sports club, we joined a taekwondo club. And then if you cut to, what was it, 19 years later, so from, from then when I was 38, so only two years, two years ago now, um, I was running two taekwondo schools, was a fourth down black belt and a, 
an instructor and I'd meddled and things like that. So Taekwondo has been my thing for most of my life until a couple of years ago when I hung up my Dobok. I started marathon running in 2007, I remember. That was, I remember 2006 watching it because I watched it every year. And I remember laying on the sofa and I going, but why aren't you running? Because I lived in London. I was like, why aren't you running it? Why are you, what are you doing watching? I, that's very much me. Like, I hate spectating. I want to go do it. So I, uh, I decided to run it, and I did the next year. So I run three of the London marathons and a bunch of other events like that. So I still run a lot, long distance. And uh, in recent years, I've got much more into cycling. Um, so I, I uh, like, like the nice long rides at the weekends as well. So yes, the answer, I, I got into exercise. I suppose really in earnest, I was doing proper, you know, I, I've always been to the gym and that. I don't bother the gym now, I just do it at home. But but with um, with like exercise, uh, I've always had this kind of uh, like consistent scheduled exercise each week in the form of uh, Taekwondo from when I was 18. And nowadays, you know, I have like, I do like, I do exercise every morning um, before I start anything. So 5 a.m. I get up and exercise. Uh, I think it's kind of good to do. Plus, I'm 40 now. It doesn't mean I'm old, but it's good to look after yourself. You know what I mean? I've, there's a lot of my friends who are my age, and um, they, you know, let's just say they don't look how they used to. So uh, I think it's good to keep doing. Uh, uh, thanks for the question. Laura, uh, good to hear. Uh, let's see if there's any other questions here. Uh, last one, Patricia Freudenberg. What a question. Who is your most memorable mentor i must say that they've all done so many different things um and i'm going to include in mentoring those people who were my bosses and things like that as well there's been a lot of people who are like really had an impact through the negative way that they they affected me and and, and learning what not to do um i have to do some shout outs i think so one of the people who who actually had a really profound impact on me quite early on in sales and like really pushing myself and having the right attitude to closing was a guy called Antonio who I I'd worked on his team back in 2004 only for like maybe a year or so before I became a manager and he he actually had his very he was like this fiery fiery Italian manager and this was cold calling what we were selling back then and it was um he was really impactful because he had he had he had a lot of drive about him and I and I I really learned to hone my ambition through him. So he he helped me make a lot of money, so for sure. But um but as for how he managed, that was his style and my style is different, but I learned a lot through him. I think there was there's a guy called Guy Worth I worked with and I was selling conferences and um from him I learned integrity. And I'm not saying I fully didn't have integrity before, but I think I learned that like, you, you know, doing things by the book was the right thing to do. Uh, I, I have a lot of love for a lot of people as well. I think more recently, um, amazing learning, uh, learning some depth around copywriting, looking at things like Facebook ads from Ross Johnson, who's a superstar over on Instagram as well. Uh, he was really great to work with, too. Uh, and a number of others as well, I'm sure. But but like some, some really good mentors there. Um, there's just two, I'm just gonna, you're getting me all nostalgic, uh, Patricia. There's so many that I've thought of, uh, kind of come to mind. I think every manager I've ever worked with has had a really important uh, effect on me. Some of them I've only worked with briefly, but they really had an effect. And like, if I think of, I won't, of course, mention them now, but like, if I by name, but if I think of the most useless person who managed me and was kind of mentoring me through something. That person still taught me a lot. 
He taught me precisely what not to do. I've also been mentored online many years ago by a guy who was dodgy as hell. And I didn't realize and I learned what it was to be completely duped, totally duped by it. And I learned what it, what it was to do things the right way and the wrong way. And he was, he was the template for how to be totally inauthentic. I learned so much from that. And um, I'm like, don't do it that way then. Because although it worked in the sense that he closed deals all the time, when those deals were closed, then there was this pool of us who were like, what have we done? This guy's totally taken us for a ride. So it was really interesting. I'm still in touch now with some of the people who are in that group. And it's really fascinating that, um, you know, that person then disappeared and had to kind of clearly build a new persona because it was all based on dodginess, which is never good in the long run, is it? Um, anyway, we could talk all night about that. That's a great, great question. Thank you very much uh, for that, Patricia. I want to say finishing here. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining in. If you want to uh, join us over on Facebook, we are in the Entrepreneur Business Group. So if you go to Entrepreneur Business Group on Facebook, come and join us there. If you want to connect with me on Clubhouse, I'm at Richard Moore. If you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, it's Richard Moore again. But if you look at LinkedIn.com slash in slash Richard James Moore, that's my full name, you'll see me there. And if you want $10 for free, when you join with a free account on Re with Restream, just go to the link here on Facebook or uh, LinkedIn, or if you can't see it because you're watching another platform, then it's restream.io slash join slash Richard Moore. Thank you everyone for watching. I really enjoyed myself today. Hope you have an amazing week ahead and I will see you all soon. Take care.